Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. A nice Chianti. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Cooking Show. I am your host, Bob, and this week we are having another bread episode. Bread is such a common component of so many different types of cuisine that there are so many different types of bread. You know, you have your your sweet, I don't want to say sweet breads because that's something completely different, but you know, your, your dessert breads, your pastries, your your soft breads, your hard breads, your flat breads, your leavened breads, your unleavened breads, your corn breads, lots of different kinds of bread. And, you know, this this week we're going to do actually two, nan and pita. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about why, why do these types of bread stand apart from sort of like a basic conception of bread? I mean, you, see, you go to a hundred random people and you say bread, boom, you know, in their head. They're going to think of something between Wonder Bread and Pumpernickel or sourdough or something like that, right? Or a baguette. But then, you know, obviously there's all these other, you know, forms that bread can take and pita and nan. And it's not like I'm conflating these saying that, oh, you know, they're, they're, they're neighboring breads <laughs> because they're, India's pretty far away from, you know, the Mediterranean Middle East, but they are both, you know, on the other side of the world from where I'm recording this podcast in southwestern Pennsylvania. So it's like there's here and there's 15 minutes from here and then there's everywhere else. <laughs> I think Americans' relationship with bread is a little bit different than other cultures in that predominantly, I think the bread is it's an enclosure for something. It's part, it's part and parcel of another thing. I mean, think like a hamburger is on a bun, right? And it's like, well, why is it on a bun? Like, does it need to be on a bun? Well, what are you going to do? You can eat it with a knife and fork. You're the salt and a brunette. What are you, the queen of England? You know, <laughs> it, it turns it turns this thing that would certainly not be a finger food into a finger food or a hand food. You know, it's like we, in the sandwich realm, our use of bread uh, sort of supplants the uh, the culture of the meat pie or something similar to that. And even when bread stands alone, like it's bread unto itself, it's sort of disambiguated from the rest of the meal. You know, like you'll you have a meal and there's you know, the dishes or the the sides, the entree, all this kind of stuff, and then there's like a basket of bread. That's just the bread is by itself. It doesn't matter what you're eating. You can be eating a steak, a pork chop, piece of fish, or whatever. And the basket of bread is the same basket of bread. They're not integrated with each other. You know, and that is maybe in some some degrees different than different other cultures regard the bread. And particularly when I'm looking at breads that are in the same category as as like your nan and, and your pita. I think Americans would think of pita especially as just like the Mediterranean tortilla, you know? And those types of breads are often used as a, a utensil, you know? You have a platter of foods, protein, vegetables, sauces, various textures, hydration levels. Some are, some are very wet, some are not so wet or whatever. And, you know, a piece of bread of, you know, whatever form is used to transport those foods from the platter to your mouth in lieu of 
a fork, a spoon, chopsticks, or whatever. Additionally, you know, especially whenever you're looking at like little Lebanese food or something, you know, with uh, you, things where you have uh, hummus and tabbouleh and baba ganoush and whatnot, the pita in that case is, it is that utensil in some respects, but it's also just like one of several things that might be involved in these these very dip-like foods, you know, like if you have, if hummus, you might have some fresh vegetables or, or pickles or whatever that are going to be engaged with the hummus in addition to the pita. But the pita is, it's just like one of those hummus integrated ingredients, as opposed to, you know, the bun being the enclosure for the, for the hamburger, but it's, you know, that you think, oh, I'm going to have a burger. The bun is part of that concept, you know? I'm going off on a tangent. <laughs> I haven't even started. I have to so I have to get back into orbit here and, and talk about what we're making. So uh, nan and pita, they're very, very similar um, in, in their form and their function. A couple notable ingredient differences. And, and, you can, and you can cook these in different ways, you know? There's different preparations. My favorite, uh, you know, pita restaurant, uh, Markook in in Washington, Pennsylvania. Uh, they have a really nice oven that they, you know, slide the pitas in. They, they bake and puff up really quickly, and it's, it's beautiful. It works wonderfully. Um, so you can do it in, in an oven. You can do it in, in your home oven. I like making these in a big cast iron pan on the stovetop. It feels, it feels kind of rustic and simple, like you're just like banging out a bunch of units of these bread one after another. It's, um, it's active. And they can come off, they can go into a, a bowl with, with some towels and stay warm and fresh and wonderful. I, I love that. So that's the way we're going to prepare both of these. But obviously, I'll, I'll include, you know, for the pita, if you want to make those in the oven, you can do that also. All right, so uh, let's go through. Uh, no, number one, obviously, check the uh, show notes. Uh, you'll have the recipes. Like, there really isn't special ingredients or equipment for this, but I may include like a link to just like a generic large cast iron skillet if you don't have one i mean you should have one it's a it's a fairly essential tool and it's very forgiving and um you know it it, it serves a lot of uses so maybe a cast iron pan aside from that i don't know i'll, I'll, I'll look I'll, I'll i'll look through this and see if i can think of something that is maybe a little bit of kitchen kit that would be fun to link to but aside from that i can't think of anything yeah so recipe uh links to anything that is uh interesting and then the link to the imager album which shows like a photographic step-by-step -step for all this and gives you an idea of like what's this supposed to look like at this step in the process yada 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 all right so let's do nan first because it is the it is the one with extra ingredients so we can do the and then we can end on the on the simple one okay so what we're going to do with the nan is uh, we're basically making a pita type of bread, like a, a flat bread, but it is leavened. These are not unleavened breads, despite the fact that they their form, their function, and their form is that of something relatively flat, not like a loaf. So you know, a little bit of sugar, some warm water, dry active yeast, uh, dry active yeast, all-purpose flour, plain yogurt. That's that's basically the main differentiating factor here is that there is yogurt in in the nan, a little bit of salt, a little bit of olive oil, and then uh, you can have a little bit of butter for whenever this is served. You brush a little bit of melted butter onto a nice warm nan bread and holy moly, it's delicious. So what we're gonna do is 
uh, we're going to bloom that yeast. We're going to wake that yeast up and get it uh, fermenting by mixing together a little bit of water, sugar, um, and the yeast. And I like to take a little bit, maybe like a teaspoon, half teaspoon of the flour and mix it into the yeast slurry because it's like sugar is very readily available to yeast. Like if you just have sugar water, the yeast will love that. And then I think, I, I believe that the 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 flour, the, the sugar, the starches in the flour is a little bit more metabolically intensive for yeast. So I like to have a little bit of flour involved in the initial blooming of the yeast so that they are primed to convert the, the starches in the flour into carbon dioxide and alcohol. Um, which is fermentation is it's not necessary it's just it, it might be one of those you know uh urban led not urban legend old wives tales the thing you know like you hear the story about the woman who makes a roast but she cuts the end off and when her husband says why do you cut the end off of the roast and she says oh my my mom always did it that way and she next time they're at their parents house the husband asks you know his mother-in-law hey why do you cut the uh, end off of the roast and she's like, i don't know it's just my, my my mother always did it that way so that's why i do it so then eventually they're at thanksgiving they're at the grandparents house they ask the grandmother hey why do you cut the end off of the roast and she says oh the roasting pan was too it was really small it was the depression we were poor so i had to cut that off or the roast to fit in the pan and then i would just you know cook it for lunch the next day or something like that so it's like it's ridiculous so uh that could be you know me adding flour to the yeast slurry maybe i don't know so we're going to get that uh yeast woken up uh 10 minutes you know just with a fork whisk it around a little bit it'll it doesn't depending on how fresh and uh vigorous your yeast is you might have a very big foamy bloom or you might just get a couple little bubbles here and there, but it's just, uh, it starts the process off. Now, I did this just right on the countertop, on the on the granite. You can do this on a cutting board or like a marble slab or something like that. I find that most cutting boards, if they're not specifically for kneading and working, you know, a loaf of bread or a ball of, of dough, they're too small. So it's just, it, it's, it's almost easier to just do it on the, the countertop, deal with the fact that you're going to have to wash the countertop down afterwards. It's not that big of a deal. But dump our, our flour out onto the countertop and make a nice big well in the center. This is where we're going to add all of the wet ingredients. Um, if you see the pictures in the Imager album, uh, the well that I created was not nearly big enough <laughs> for the liquid, but luckily my counters are very level. So um, the, the liquid that spilled out of my, my flower volcano didn't uh, run anywhere. It just kind of pulled around it. So it was just a matter of uh, incorporating it from the edges, bringing it all together, um, and then you know working it like Play-Doh, like kneading it until it is smooth. Now, whether it's smooth and shiny, I don't know. Uh, you don't want to work, you don't want to overwork it um, give yourself 10 minutes, you know, look at the clock and knead it for 10 minutes. Once it's smooth, it's going to be fine. If it, if you can't get it to a shiny texture, don't worry about it. You'll be good. Cover that with, uh, I put it in a bowl with saran wrap over the top. You can put it in a bowl with like a wet tea towel or something like that and let it rise for about an hour. Um, a lot of recipes will say for it to double in size. Uh, I had, let's see, I had 45, I had about an hour and a half between whenever I made the dough and whenever I started making the, the individual breads. And it definitely uh, rose to greater than double the size, but it's not really that big of a deal because what you're going to do is you're going to punch this down. You're going to kind of work it into a small tight ball, and then you're going to use that to make your final thing. So 
it's not like you need a big billowy uh puffy loaf essentially uh yeah so give yourself about an hour there you're going to divide the dough into portions that are going to be roughly big enough to make one unit each with the amount that i made now i'll probably i'm probably going to list the recipe for making eight of these but since I was making the nan and the pita, um, I cut that in half, so I made four. So out of this, you know, larger than a baseball, smaller than a softball size ball of dough, I just cut it into quarters and then used each wedge from that um, for each nan. Okay, a little bit of flour on. Now this time I did use a a cutting board because I'm only working with a quarter of this dough at a time, so I don't I can deal with the smaller space. You know what I mean? So floured cutting board, uh, just with your hands, kind of work it into a ball, uh, smush it out into a flat disc, and then with a rolling pin roll it out. Um, you know, six inches, eight inches, somewhere like that. Obviously it has to fit. If you're doing this in a cast iron pan, like I am, um, it has to fit in that pan. So, uh, don't roll it out. You know, you don't want to make like a 14 inch pizza and then try to put it in a 10 inch pan and think, think Jerry, think, okay. Actually, let's stop before we start rolling these out, get your cast iron pan heated up. And when I say heated up, I mean like put it on high and leave it there. I don't know what kind of stove you're working with. If you're working with gas, it's going to take a while. If you're using an electric coil or electric radiant, whatever, you know, the glass top electric thing that heats through the glass, that's going to take forever. If you're using induction, it's not going to take very long, but you can get that screaming hot. I mean, you want it to sit there super duper hot, dry for, you know, the minute or two or three or four. Well, I guess if you're using gas or, or, or conductive or resistive electric, You'll want it to go maybe like, I don't know, five or 10 minutes, 10 minutes maybe. You want it to be very hot. All right, so we get those, get get one of them rolled out into your six to eight inch circle. And then if you have a towel, a paper towel can work, but you want it to be relatively thick, like folded in half a couple of times. Put a very small amount of olive oil in the middle of your cast iron pan. And then with the towel, just wipe it over the, the, the surface. We don't want any pooled oil like we're not frying these um, but you just want like that layer almost like you're seasoning the cast iron um, where you get like a polymerized layer of of oil or fat or whatever um, cooked into into the iron itself you know just make it so it looks wet essentially <laughs> and then we're gonna lay uh, one at a time you know lay it in there into the super hot pan and we're gonna leave it there for not very, not, not a long time. I mean, this, they're going to take maybe four minutes maximum each, but that, you know, on that first side, it's only going to be in there for about a minute, lay it in there, but leave it there. Don't touch it. Go over, roll out your next, uh, your next unit of bread while that one is cooking on that side. Okay. You're going to get, oh, you may, you should, you probably will get some maybe roughly golf ball sized bubbles forming and you might get a little bit of smoke. I mean, the, your pan's probably smoking as it is because it should be very hot and you might get a little bit of smoke kind of like coming out around the bread itself. After, after a minute, go ahead and flip that over using a spatula. It should, you know, it should not be adhered to the pan whatsoever. Um, that bread 
the the protein in the flour is going to cauterize and be separate from the from the pan so it should be very easy to flip it's just like flipping on a dry griddle essentially and when you flip it over you want these like almost burnt spots like it's not golden brown it's a little bit beyond that it's like you cut the marshmallow on fire for just a second then blew it out that's kind of what you're looking for um, and you want them to be at the contact points on that first side that you're cooking it's going to be more evenly scorched and then when you flip it you're going to have those 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 toast marks predominantly on the uh, the cap of those those bubble domes so you're gonna you know, let's say you get four four or five of these little bubbles forming up there those are going to be your dark spots on that side of the nan okay so flip it over uh, let it do its thing there and then flip it back what you can do is even though your your pan is screaming hot and your bread is also fairly hot, you can with your fingertip kind of tap different parts of the of the nan itself to feel like does it still feel like raw dough or does it feel dry? Does it feel kind of like a cardboard texture, which isn't doesn't sound that appetizing. That's sort of like what you're going for. You're you're looking for like a dry, starchy sort of texture to it. You don't want it to be real spongy. You don't want to be real spongy and covered in jam, no. All right, so you just kind of poke it around and whenever it feels good. And you can flip it, you know, two or three times. Like I said, it's only going to take like four minutes, five minutes at the most maybe um, per unit. And then, you know, with your spatula, move it off onto a plate set aside. And then uh, if you need to, a couple little drops of oil, you can just use your spatula to move that oil around and rather than using the towel every time. And then do your next one. Just run through them one after another after another, and you can just stack them whenever you're done. That'll keep them nice and warm. Now for the pita, very simple recipe, water, yeast, little tiny bit of sugar. Like when I, Listen, both of these have a little bit of confectioners, not confectioners, granulated sugar, just white sugar, but they're not, it's not a sugary bread. The sugar is just there to feed the yeast to get it started and get that fermentation going. There's no sweetness, no residual sweetness, uh, no sugar content to speak of in the final product, okay? A little bit of sugar, uh, flour, salt, and olive oil. Bada boom, bada big. I mean, it's a simple bread recipe. It's basically just changing the form from a baked loaf into a pan-fired bread. Okay, for this one, we're going to bloom that yeast the same way. A little bit of water, a little bit of yeast, the sugar... Uh, maybe maybe a little bit of the flour, whisk it together, and then for this one, what I did just tried it tried it two separate methods. You know, the first one I dumped everything out and did it on the countertop. This one in the bowl, I added the flour and the salt and the olive oil and everything in there, and with a wooden spoon, just kind of stirred it around until it was like a shaggy, husky mess, right? And then I kind of scooped it all out with one hand and onto the countertop and started kneading it until it became smooth, tucked it under, put it in a bowl covered with saran wrap, and let that rise for honestly the same amount of time. If you're only doing the pita, you can let that rest for like 10 minutes and then knead it again and then let it rest for 10 minutes. It's it'll it'll rise a little bit, but it'll be a little bit a little bit unrefined as as compared to the nan bread. The nan is, is it's going to rise up, get all nice and, and big and shiny and soft, and then you punch it down and do all your things. With the pita, um, it without the, the yogurt in there, it's just water, basically a little bit of olive oil and the flour and stuff like that. 
it's a much simpler dough and it's going to get a bunch of like little um, air pockets like little tiny bubbled air pockets uh, you can see in the picture whenever i took the saran wrap off of both of these risen balls of dough essentially that uh, the pita stuck more to the saran wrap so the kind of top came off and it exposed the inside which was just pockmarked with all these tiny little holes so same thing you know roll it up into a nice tight ball cut it into again i'll uh, put the recipe in there for eight units but i did four because i was you know doing two separate ones and it's pretty much the same deal with rolling them out flat and cooking them in the pan same way we did with the nan now because the nan is like a, a denser uh, sort of dough, you know, with the addition of the yogurt and a little bit different ratios of like water to flour and stuff like that. With your pita, you have more of an opportunity for those air bubbles that to form instead of them being distinct or discrete bubbles, you know, like four or six golf balls blooming up in the middle of your bread they will very likely or you know i don't know how likely i hope i hope it does because it's magical to watch but they will sort of join together into one giant uh, air pocket in the middle which is that is that is like the 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 trademark of the pita right the pita pocket so whenever you you lay your flat you know bread or dough disc into the pan it'll take a moment uh, it'll sort of draw into itself and shrink down a little bit uh, only a, a tiny bit, like the, the, the edges will recede, you know, I don't know, a sixteenth of an inch. It'll just appear to be shirking from the heat. And then what you might notice is instead of several large bubbles forming, you'll see lots of little bubbles percolating up over different parts, over the surface of the, of the pita. And then as the moisture inside the dough heats up and turns to steam, essentially, the, those, those will rise and, and blend together and, and form a nice, you know, inflated uh, pocket of pocket of pita. And then whenever you flip it, chances are it's going to completely deflate because, you know, it's a, a, you're, you're, you're removing it from the heat so that that steam, that, that the moisture that's turning to steam is going to instantly lose heat and, and not compress, but get smaller. <laughs> the opposite of contract, that's it. Um, and then also whenever you flip it, chances are there, there could be a little bit of a tear in the dough or who knows, whatever. But it'll, it'll deflate a little bit, but you'll still have a nice little pocket in there. And the cooking process is pretty much the same as the nan. It's going to take, uh, you know, four, maybe five minutes, and you'll get nice little charred spots uh, on the outside. And then you can, you know, remove them from the pan onto a plate, stack them, keep them warm, whatever. Now, what is really great about both of these, I think, is that they can be, they can be produced like to be consumed immediately. Like you're making them and then they're coming off. It's almost like making a bunch of pancakes, you know? But you're making them, they're coming off, they can be stacked in a bowl, they can be warm, but they're going to go straight to the table and be enjoyed fresh, essentially. But also, also, you can make them ahead of time and, uh, you know, bang out a bunch and then have them the next day or something like that. 
which is what I did. You know, I, we didn't eat these tonight. We're going to have these tomorrow. What I did was let them cool down and then wrap them in a, a kitchen towel and put them in the fridge so that they won't, one, so they don't absorb any flavors from it or aromas from the fridge, but also so they don't absorb too much moisture out of the environment in there. So they're wrapped in the towel so they can be cold and kept together and then we put them in the oven and warm them up. That'd be like the second best way to do it is just like fresh out of the oven so that they're all the same temperature, uh, number one. And number two, you know, the best way, obviously, is just straight out of the pan service to the table. And the fact that, you know, it takes not a lot of time. I have to make eight units, four pita, four nan. Uh, the cooking period, I started at 7.55 and I was done at 8.25. So 30 minutes to make eight of these, you know, one after another. Obviously, you can have multiple pans going. You can do them in the oven and put two to four of them on a cookie sheet, whatever. They're super simple very delicious and it's just uh it's bread in another form it's familiar enough but it's exotic enough i just love it i love it tomorrow we're gonna have some hummus and tabbouleh and fresh vegetables and some delicious bread and it's gonna be wonderful okay thank you for listening and have a wonderful week